Welcome to the Inside Marketing Talks podcast, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the marketing world, one expert at a time. Join us each week as we dive deep into the latest tools and techniques used by marketers and startup founders to scale their businesses. Let's get into this week's episode of Inside Marketing Talks. Welcome to you all. So happy you're here. I'm Stephanie. I'm the host of this event from Inside.com, the surf marketing event. Our goal here is to be really interactive. And I'll just go ahead and read a quick bio about Jeremy, and then he can be off to the races with all that he has to teach you about outbound marketing today. So Jeremy Sporn is the president and partner at Royce Brook Media. He's got over 15 years of marketing experience. He's a copywriter and business leader and never runs from a challenge. He's a father of three enthusiastic children, he said this, and as a Rutgers alum, a forever Scarlet Knight. He's written copy for over 300 email campaigns that have generated hundreds of leads and millions of dollars in sales. He's one of three expert coaches that runs the Outbound Academy and personally manages over a dozen campaigns to constantly keep his skills sharp. So Jeremy, I love that your bio has that writing copy for email campaigns part because we're going to be talking a lot about that. Today. Absolutely. Yes. And I'll mention this as I go forward. I was on an inside event previously where we talked about target audience, how to choose a target audience had a niche, a bunch of this stuff, and we'll pick up where we left off from there. So if, if you do have questions about how to select a target audience, how to choose some of the people who are most valuable, feel free to ask those questions. The idea is that you have some idea of who you are interested in attracting more of, and then we'll talk about how you generate copy, particularly for outbound campaigns that relates to those folks. So that's the focus of today. It doesn't matter what kind of marketing you're doing. Audience is the number one most important thing to focus on first. Once you have an idea of who your audience is, you can tailor the messages to them. Today, we're talking about messaging, which is after you've selected your audience. So. Okay. That's a great little preamble. And all of you who are here, I'm again, so glad that you're here. Please use that chat. We want this to be interactive. Say, hi, I'm Stephanie. I'm in St. Pete, Florida, wherever you are, just introduce yourself in the chat because we don't just learn from Jeremy today. We all learn from each other. Keep those questions in mind, throw them in the chat for Jeremy to answer in live time or after he presents. And we're really happy to have Jeremy answer questions specific to your startup too, because everyone's got a different thing going on. All right, Jeremy, you ready? Sure thing. So quick overview, like agenda setting. I'll go over some concepts of quality outbound marketing copy. So keep it a little high level at first. I'll give you some do's and don'ts, like things you must do, things you should really avoid. I'll show you some practical frameworks that you can use today if you'd like to, if you're already running outbound campaigns or hoping to in the near future. And then I'll finish with two of the best examples of the best copy that I've ever seen perform. I didn't write both of them. I only wrote one of them. Someone else wrote the other one, but it was on my team. Anyway, but I'll give you some really concrete, good examples of what I've seen has worked extremely well. So with that, the first thing that I want to talk about is the goal of outbound copy. And this is really key. The goal of outbound copy is to move the right prospects down the sales funnel. And I'll say that again, move the right prospects down the sales funnel, move your target audience down the sales funnel. It is not to entertain or to be clever or to even sound good. And I'll even throw in there grammatically correct. Copy is meant to push the people, especially in outbound where you're interrupting someone's day with a message. It is meant to push someone in, especially the right person in the direction that you want. And most of us, that's down the sales funnel. So really key, everything that we talk about is in line with this idea of getting the right person to take the right action. I will definitely share my screen a second. Usually I like to talk a little bit to you guys and then I'll share my screen when I feel like it's helpful, which 
is going to be very soon. So again, one of the things that when I, I coach this stuff, often people get hung up on the idea that copy needs to be a little unique or different and there there's value to there. But the idea is that we just, the main focus is to push our target audience down the funnel. And depending upon where they are, they could be, they don't know your brand at all. They could be close to a purchase decision. The idea is to move them down that funnel. That being said, I will share my screen so you guys can push. This right. is like a general testing the waters question that I'd love for anyone who's willing to answer in the chat to do this while Jeremy starts. What stage is your funnel in? Do you guys have a funnel? Is it written down? Is it executed? Is part of it executed? Do you have a sales funnel that you use? Okay, go ahead, Jim. Awesome. So the four musts of copywriting. First one, it must be on brand. Brand is this big thing that some people, you may have a really good sense of what your brand is and what it isn't. In the end, your brand are the words and the tone and sometimes the imagery that you use to express who you are as a company and therefore the people that you want. The idea here is that you are trying to attract a certain type of person to be your customer and alienate others. And this is a really key concept. And whenever I talk about this idea of alienating some people and attracting others, I usually get the question, well, hey, I'm not really sure who I want to attract. or I don't know if I should really be alienating anyone who would be a good buyer. And those are extremely valid concerns. What I would say is alienation and is actually one of your best friends. When you're creating outbound copy, it's for a specific audience. And I alluded that earlier. Your target audience is a group of people that you pre-select, that you have high value to, and they have high, you're highly valuable to them and they're highly valuable to you. And your target audience can be anything. It's just a group of people that have something in common. They may read the same books. They may sell the same products. They may be in the same industry. They may like the same flavor of ice cream. They just need to have something in common that makes them... A I talked, to, like I said, I talked a lot about selecting your target audience last time I was here. If you have any questions about that in particular, just let me know. But the idea here is that your copy being on brand will attract those people that you care about and alienate people who are less valuable. And the idea here is this is super, super valuable. And what I'll Oftentimes, alienation in marketing is actually referred to as niching. And it's one of the most powerful things that you could do to gain success in your outbound marketing. So for instance, let's say you offer bookkeeping services to small businesses, and you would reach out to a restaurant owner in a very different way than you would reach out to, let's say, just like a small consulting firm. Their bookkeeping is very different. How they talk about their business is very different. So you need to have a good understanding of who you are looking to attract and who you are looking to alienate or niche. And then there's even further niching things like, hey, I have, it's very different to reach out to a restaurant versus a New Jersey restaurant owner versus a New Jersey pizza restaurant owner versus a New Jersey pizza restaurant owner that uses Square as their POS system. And each time that you niche, you're giving yourself the ability to gain more authority and respect from that particular prospect. We'll talk a little bit more about gaining authority, but the idea here is your brand uh, in your copywriting is a filtering mechanism to attract the people that you want and alienate the people that you don't. So that's first, must be on brand. Second is it must be effective and tested. Tested and effective go hand in hand. The only way you know it's effective is if it is tested. So you must run tests on every single app marketing copy that you do. One, one thing that I always like to mention to people is even if you're running extremely effective campaigns right now, there is almost always a way to make them better. 
And the only way that you know that is if you test them. And there's key, there are key performance indicators, just like any, anything else in your business that are important for outbound marketing. Depending on the medium that you're doing, if you're doing social direct messaging, there are certain things that you're looking for, like number of connections made. If you're doing email-based marketing, then you're looking for things like deliverability, opens, clicks, replies. There are certain things to know whether it's effective or not. But the testing, the A-B testing that you're going to do is going to be so important to make sure that it is the most effective it can be. And the last is it must be approved. This one's actually really big depending on how, if you're a solopreneur, it's easy to align with yourself. If you have a team of people, it's really important that when marketing sends out an email, especially in outbound direct messaging, that it's agreed upon by the salesperson who has to sell that and the delivery team that has to deliver on it. I've seen in a few cases that marketing goes rogue and will say things that their team cannot deliver on. So that's why it's on the must list. That's what I said. Explain testing a little further. So testing is all about setting up specific experiments. And what I mean by that is I'll focus on email marketing because I think most people would understand what it is and, and some of the terminology around it. Email-based marketing has a few key performance indicators. The first is deliverability. So there's a few different ways that you can send emails that will reduce or increase your deliverability. For instance, you can send emails on a mass scale. You can send a lot to a thousand people at a time. You can also send emails one at a time. There are different tools that do that kind of stuff. Your deliverability would be much higher if you send emails one at a time than mass. And so therefore, that's one of the first things. We have to get the email into the person's inbox. So that, that's number one. Then you have other key performance indicators like open rates. So you can test sending an email with a certain subject line and opening line versus another. And those that would be a specific test to optimize open rates. So the main things that affect the open rate of an email are the subject and the first line in the email, the preview. And so the more, so basically what you do is you set up a scenario where half an audience gets one of one subject line, half an audience gets another subject line, or one, half the audience gets a subject line with a certain opening line and the other half gets another and you test the results and you optimize from there. So you're just, you're selecting winners. So that's mostly what testing is about variation and you know what most people call A-B testing. Question, Jeremy. Sure thing. Okay, open rates. I've heard that term before. Is it of much significance in practice? Does the answer depend on markets? So different markets will have different open rates. So yes, there are like, so you do want to benchmark. One of the things that we teach people is when you're doing testing is you want to always have, you almost treat it like a scientific experiment. You always want a control and a variation. So one of the things we teach people is use a generic subject line against a non-generic one. So like a value prop based or a pain point based so that you can benchmark how much people care about that particular message versus something generic like touching base or following up or thing that that is will benchmark the audience as itself. And what I'll tell you is if you're doing outreach to realtors who hawk their inbox and are always interested in opening everything, your open rates are always going to be much higher than let's say if you go after IT directors who are constantly overworked and underpaid and maybe not underpaid all the time, but anyway, but that are, they, they have their guard way up. So different audiences will have different benchmarks purely just based upon the type of business that they run and uh, how they spend their time. That's just, that's just how it works. Now you could beat certain things with the right strategy. And I'll show you some examples of some really good campaigns that, that I've run to show you some, to how you can get around some of the, some of those challenges. But Certain audiences will have higher engagement 
just purely based upon their role and how they run their business for sure. And Jeremy, what would you say is like a middle of the road open rate for most emails? So depending upon how you do it, the, we, the process that we teach is based upon a one-on-one email-based system. We consider an open rate in the acceptable range when it's between 30 and 50%. Anything above 50% is considered exceptional. Anything below 30, in our opinion, needs to be addressed right away. That means that you're missing a significant opportunity. And you're probably going to give us some ideas of how emails with lower than 30% open rates can be improved through messaging. Yeah, I'll definitely address. So there's what I would say is each individual KPI, in particular an email-based outreach, has its own specific thing that you could do to optimize. And like I mentioned for open rates, it's subject lines and opening lines, but then you also have clicks and replies. So if you're like, I'll just give you a quick example because, and we have a whole, when we teach this stuff, we have a whole rubric for how you do this stuff. But anyway, but you, the idea is that, so let's say you get a, you have high open rates, you're at 55% open rate, phenomenal, but you're not getting anyone to actually engage with your content. They're not clicking. They're not right. They're not replying. That traditionally means that your offer is terrible. It doesn't resonate with your target audience enough for them to take action or your call to action is too significant. For instance, the classic example is Geico's 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everyone remembers that and it's easy because you can do the math in your head. Is 15 minutes worth my time to save 15% on car insurance? And if it is, you make the phone call. Like it's not that it's a simple thing. So if you're asking someone to meet with you for an hour, but your offer helps save them $3 over the next three years, that's pretty poor because you're asking for a lot of their time for very little in return. If your offer is, hey, I can help you generate six new customers in the next 45 seconds and all I need is 60 seconds of your time, that's a phenomenal offer if you could pull through on it and it's highly valuable. So it really depends upon your ask versus what you're willing to give. And that's an offer creation is, is a, I would say, is a higher level up from some of the stuff that we'll talk about today. But that's a really key piece of particularly the reply rate and the engagement rate of the actual message you sent out. That's cool. All right, I'll jump back in. Oh, and favorite platforms for testing and tracking email marketing. So if you're going to do the type of marketing, email marketing that we tell people to do, which is one-on-one personal-based email marketing, the best tools out there right now are, or I would say the best tools that we have currently seen the best success with are a tool called Lemlist and a tool called Reply.io. Those are two of my favorites. I'm testing about three or four others right now. Some are showing better promise than others. But those two are really good. Lemlist and Reply are really great for outbound email marketing. And then it's very different if you're doing things like Facebook direct messaging or LinkedIn direct messaging and other things like that. Are, but those are different solutions. But for email, those two would be great for you to check out. Cool. All right, next. I'll jump back into... You may see all your faces again real quick because I'm moving your cameras around. Okay. All right, cool. All right. So we went over the musts of copywriting. Here are the shoulds. These are the things. So the must, you got to get that stuff right. Here are the things that are the next level that really skyrocket your results. Really should be empathetic. And what I mean by that is people want to be understood. It's a deep desire. So if you can project that you understand their particular situation, who they are, the, the chances that you will do well in your campaign skyrocket. It, it, when I say it's a core human need, it really, it's such an important part of how you demonstrate yourself as an authority figure. And I'll go through some examples of how you can do that as we move forward. But making sure that they understand that you understand them is a really key part of what makes an outbound campaign really successful. If anyone, if anyone's a big fan of the Challenger sale, which is a, it's a sales framework for high 
high value salespeople. They talk about this idea of teaching and helping customers understand things that they didn't understand before. And part of that is teaching from a place that you understand their business even better than they do. It's that idea of being empathetic. You understand their situation so well that you are in the best position to help them with the particular problem that you help solve. So that's a really key part. Be simple and clear. The, I believe it's Sophocles, much wisdom often goes with fewer words. The best campaigns use the fewest words. That's hands down time and time again. I'm running campaigns, constantly testing new things. Doesn't mean that you can't be, I've never seen a campaign be successful with long form messaging, but the best campaigns, the ones that convert the highest rates have fewer words. They're extremely simple and clear. If anyone's a Donald Miller fan, that's one of the best marketing authors, I think in the last couple of years, he wrote a book called Building a Story Brand. And his whole concept is this idea of if you confuse, you lose. You need to be extremely clear in your messaging. And so simple and clear are, are two really important parts of how it works well. And part of that is also, and this is one of the things that I often coach my clients on, is take big words that nobody would use in regular language out of all your messaging. It's just, it should be extremely conversational and it should feel as if the message, if you read it aloud to someone standing in front of you, it would make sense. It wouldn't feel awkward. That's a good litmus test to whether or not your message is in a good spot. The third should. Oh, yes. And I will get to, I see Anthony has a question. He touched on best practice to avoid. Yes, I'll get, I will definitely get that in a sec. The third should, and I would say this almost is a must, is be, use your customer's language, be your customer's language. I should probably fix that. Anyway, your, leverage your customer's language. If your customers are using terminology that you are not, then you are shooting yourself in the foot. For instance, if, if you're like, I'll use the example I used before. If you offer bookkeeping services to small business businesses, when you target restaurant owners, you should talk in the language that they talk in. They use words like patrons and inventory, and they talk about different shifts and cycles that they need to go through in their business. If you, the more you use your customer's language, the more empathetic you are, the more that they think that you understand what they're going through. This has to be one of the most important things that you can do in outbound marketing to be successful. And I would say it's probably one of the most common issues that I see in unsuccessful campaigns is when people use their internal terms or things that they are used to using instead of their customer's language. It's just a very classic way to, to mess up a campaign. The last, and I would say least important, is to be different. That is, you want to get across the idea that what you are offering is different from what they've tried before, different from what they've seen before. And if there are, are, there's one specific way that we help coach people to do that. But if you can get that idea across that they haven't tried this before, they haven't seen this before, curiosity and fear of missing out kicks in. And it's a really powerful motivator to get people to take action. The first three, most important. The last one, if you can get it in there, great. And then... Before I jump into the question on best practices to avoid your domain as spam, I'll just I just want to touch real quick on what to avoid. So some of the most common things that I see when people are writing outbound copy is they use more eyes, my's, me's, and we's than you's, and your message should be about your prospect, not about you. It doesn't matter necessarily how long you've been in business or the story of how your company came about. What is important is how you are going to help your customer. What destination do they you bring them to? And that's so usually if I and I'll count if I see more eyes, my's, we and me's than than using yours, that's a red flag. I talked a little bit about internal jargon. This is one of the hardest things to get away from. But question every term 
that, that you have in there that relates to the business, if it's not something that your customers are using. And this is where actually salespeople can help. I usually like to avoid engaging salespeople in some of the marketing things, but it ask them like, hey, do your cust- do our customers use this like these words when they talk about themselves? If they don't, they shouldn't be in your messaging. And really avoid being all things to all people. I talked about niching earlier. It is extremely important to avoid overgeneralizing your copy. And what happens is if someone sends you a general message, they don't feel like you understand them and they don't feel special. If you send them a message that relates directly to them, they feel like you understand them. They feel special. These are very powerful emotional motivators when you're interrupting someone's day with an outbound message. So those are really key things to avoid. All right, cool. Let me just answer a few questions before I, I push forward here. All right, so best practices to avoid having your domain as spam. The biggest ones are don't send to bad email addresses. So make sure you clean your list. Like just so that's huge. We teach a tool called Bouncer. It's one of it's really simple. It's extremely cost effective. I think it's usebouncer.com is the one is the actual domain. There's a ton of email verification tools, but that's number one. Don't send to bad email addresses. The second is don't send too many messages from one address. So that's the second one is it's really key. We tend to try and send about and depending on the tool that we're using, no more than 150 messages from a single inbox in one day is the absolute max that you'd ever want to do. By the way, there's a lot of different opinions here. In some of the cases, we're sending max 50 emails from one inbox in a day, but it depends upon how you're structuring it, the list that you have, if any of them are opted in or not. So I don't want to... But the, the number of emails you send per inbox is really key and the rate at which you're sending them. So you need to bookend your email sending to make it seem like a normal human would be doing that stuff. For instance, don't send emails 24 hours a day, 24-7 from one inbox because human beings don't do that. That's just not, that's an easy way to get flagged for spam. So that, that's another one. There's a lot here. There's even other things you do. There's something you can use called spin tax, which will actually spin, call it spin. Basically what it does is it varies the simple parts of your message to different copy so that the emails that you're sending are extremely similar, but not exactly the same. That's, I would say, is on the more advanced level. If you could use a tool called Word AI, you'd plug in your email and it would give you like three or four variations of that, like of the specific sentences in your emails. It'll rewrite it for you. And there's specific what's called spin tax or it's a syntax, but called spin tax because it's spinning your message that you put in the HTML, the email, and it will randomly select one for that particular person. So each of the, the emails are extremely varied. And so therefore, you're that, that's another way to avoid spam. Th- there's a bunch of other ones out there, like always include an unsubscribe link, always include, like you have to follow can spam laws. So don't reach out to people that have nothing to do with your offering. <laughs> like, don't do that. That's bad. Always include an unsubscribe link. Oops, what's it? Someone was trying to call me. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Okay, perfect. Always include an unsubscribe link. Always make sure that your address is in your email signature. Include a URL to your website. There's a few like things that you just want to check off. But most, the two big ones are if you send to too many bad email addresses and you send too many per day from one address, those are the, that's the easiest way to get thrown into a spam. And then the only last one I'll say is we are not particularly fans of mass blasting emails. So there, there are cold email 
folks out there that think that if you can get a list of like 20,000 people, you can hit them all at once and you'll get like a 5% open rate. And that's really good. That has not been something that I've seen be very successful. You traditionally get thrown in promotions folders and you don't actually make it to the real inbox. And therefore your likelihood of even getting a response is extremely low. I have not seen stats there. So leveraging one-on-one personal emails is also really valuable. Yeah. 20,000 a day is quite different than 150 a day. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always scale up. You can always just get more inboxes. It's not like you can't Mm -hmm. if you want to send more. So for us, we're sending, we have about 12 to 15 email campaigns running at any given time. We're sending thousands a day, but we have a bunch of addresses that are sending from. So you just, you just scale up that way instead of, but each inbox or each address is sending an email one at a time, about every six or seven minutes or so, it's sending another email in a bracketed timeframe. And it's, it basically mimics a human being sitting at a computer all day, just prospecting. That's the idea. That's really helpful. And what email service do you guys use? The one, so the two that I I mentioned earlier, Lemlist and Reply are are two of the better ones out there. We're always testing. There's one other right now, which I don't want to tell people about just only because it's not ready yet, but it could be the best one. I'll just, I'll leave that one out there. We'll follow you on Twitter for when you announce what that is. (laughs) Yeah. And before, I know you have so much more to share and our time is going really quickly. Andrew asked the million dollar question that everyone wants to know, like chat GPT, do you use it? Is it helpful? Um, so I've, so I would say if you're stuck and you need a place to start and you're in that like blank page, can't, yes, it's definitely helpful. I have run four campaigns with direct chat GPT copy and they have all bombed like really, really bad. They're terrible. Oh and the only reason, the only reason I say that is because they are written in a way that is very like structured and not and what happens is is people end up relying on the value of the tool and not on the insights they have about their customers so chat gpt does not yet like ai will understand your customers better than you and probably not that in in the not too distant future but right now what i would say is if you're staring at a blank page you don't know where to start ask chat gpt be like hey how would you write an outbound message to this particular audience it'll get you started but please don't end there. You can do so much better than what the tool will produce. And even when I've tried to do an ex- a ton of prompting to get it to do uh, right messages that I thought were much better, every single time I've run campaigns in leveraging their copy, even when I'm like, make it a little pithier, talk about this by pro- it, it has not produced something that, w- that has worked yet. Will it in the future? I'm sure it will, but just not yet. That's really helpful to hear you reinforce that message that I've even heard from like the CEO of an AI copywriting company. Don't ever let the AI stand alone. You got to like take what you know and integrate that into it. 100%. Yep. All right. So I'll, I'm going to skip over one or two quick things that I was going to, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go for, I'm going to show you a template real quick, two templates that you can use to, as pieces of your app on copy that you guys can leverage today. All right. So the first is, the, you guys can see this, right? The first is the direct sales. This is something that I call, that, that we call the I help statement. So I help target audience achieve certain transformation through our offering. So these are some examples of things that we've run in our campaigns because we help teach people outbound marketing. So I help sales and marketing leaders. That's my audience. Implement proven lead generation systems to book 10 qualified meetings per month. That's the transformation through our outbound academy. That's my proprietary offering. And remember, you might remember when I said earlier, being different, the easiest way to be different is to name your offering. You notice here, I didn't say qualify meetings per month in their calendars through email marketing. Like anyone can do email marketing. I'm the only one with the Outbound Academy. Like 
this is one of the ways that you compete in a market of one and you also generate curiosity. It's like, what is the Outbound Academy? That sounds interesting. And your naming convention doesn't have to be something amazing. It just has to be something. Like it just has to be something. So secondary option, ILBB sales and marketing leaders implement an in-house lead generating engine that will deliver as many cost-effective leads as they can, as they want through our Outbound Academy. Similar structure, I help particular audience achieve a particular transformation through our own offering. If you can put a metric or a number in the transformation, better. That's always better. That's the direct one. The second one would be the avoid pain scenario. If you're in marketing, you'll you'll always hear the people who are always more interested in avoiding pain than seeking pleasure. So on the pain side, I help target audience avoid pain point through proprietary offering plus result. Very similar. So in this one, like if let's say you were a staffing company, I help New Jersey HR directors avoid bad hires through our perfect batch staffing solution that consistently delivers talent that's perfect for your company. That's a it's it, it covers everything. Are you the person that are you? So if you read that, if you're a New Jersey HR director, okay, this is for me. Man, I hate bad hires. That sucks. Wow, what's the perfect match staffing system? That sounds like something that like I I could potentially need and consistently delivers talent that's perfect for my company. That's all I need, right? So if you get the pain point, the value, and the person right, then this is the kind of stuff that people will respond to on a consistent basis. Same thing with the last one. I help growth-focused CEOs avoid wasting time with our schedule master calendar app, which has proven to save busy CEOs 10% of their time every week. Very clear, very to the point. I'm not using crazy long words or difficult things to understand. So that's those are some examples there. And then I know, like, any questions on any of that before, I could show you some like full messages that I've sent out that have been really good and dissect them if that helps. Yeah, what I've, was I've the got a one before. Simon. It's okay. Quick question on that. What about Simon Sinex? Tell people why you do it, not what you do. And this seems to go exactly counter to that. Yeah. So the why, so I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan, like massive. And I think he's right. The challenge is that this is an outbound message that needs to interrupt their day and get them to take action that you want them to take very quickly. The why is inspirational. Like I, the why is inspirational to get what I think to be like a philosophical change. I need someone to make a change today, now when I send this message, if they're a good fit for what I'm offering. In my experience, philosophical whys take an extreme amount of brain calories to digest and take action on. So what you end up getting is you get more inaction than action. Each one of these things that like these frameworks, the idea is I want them to get a good understanding of what their life can be when, if they decide to work with me and, and get the idea across that this is just for them. So, and then there are other things that you can add in here. So for instance, in these, I don't have a time element. So one of the things that you could say is I help growth focused CEOs avoid wasting time with our scheduling master calendar app, which has proven to save busy CEOs 10% of their time in less than 60 days. So we can now we can we're shortening the time frame that it would take to do something like that. So all that said is I think Simon Sinek is right, but in outbound marketing world, it's I don't have the I don't think we have the luxury of expressing the why. Um, you, in a significant way to get them to take action. For a minute, let's look at your last example. Yeah. Wasting time sucks, doesn't it? I help CEOs, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, that's your why, right? So I feel like there is a way to incorporate both and still be pithy about it. I think that's fair. You know what? I have not tried that in a specific way. 
I'll send I'm you my run that test. I'll send you. I'll send you my yeah. my my bill. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, that's cool. Look, I'll be the I'll be the first to admit there is always a way to get better, and that's a that, that's really cool feedback, man. I appreciate it. Sure. Like empathizing with the customer's pain point. Like we all know that this thing is painful. And then Jeremy, what was the slide before this one? The one before this was the direct sale. Let me see. Again. So it was the direct sale. And then the, basically, are you going for value? Are you going to avoid pain? Those are the two. That this, there's other options. These are two that we've seen work really well for most people. And then I'll give you, so here's an example of one of the best messages that I've ever sent out. I got over a 70% reply rate from this message. So 70 cent reply. It's crazy. Are you looking to take on additional clients right now? And so what I did was I selected, is anyone familiar with EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system? It's a, it's a business operating system for small business, small to medium-sized businesses to help them run their organization. Anyone who runs EOS, that's their life. Like they, like it is so essential to the success of their business. So what I did was I only focused on people who run that system and I use specific language that they use in their daily life. So my company and I help B2B EOS focused companies implement our proven outbound BSL strategy. So effective against your results. And then this is the line that's sold. You can leverage the clarity of your VTO. VTO is a specific term within EOS to laser target your ideal customers and get them interested in your service. Has anyone Le ever answered no to the first question? Because I don't yes. think. Many yeah. times, actually. Uh yeah, many times. Yeah. And actually, it's, I wish I screenshot it. The other day, someone responded, I don't appreciate rhetorical questions. I was like, no, I'm being serious. Like people say, I messaged the guy back. I was like, people say no to me all the time. There's plenty of people who don't want more new clients. They just, that's not what they want. So I get LinkedIn messages at least once a week that have this question. And I think it's a waste of, I think the people are wasting my time when they ask this question. Just anecdotal feedback. I think get to it, get to it. Because if their answer is yes, then they care about all the other information that you're about to tell right? If their answer is no, that goes back to your earlier points of the target audience, right? Like niche, niching down. If their answer is no, you don't care. So they'll ignore you anyway, right? I don't know. I just, as somebody who gets this question once a week, I'm really annoyed by it, but that's just my opinion. No, that's fair. That's fair. It's one of those ones that I like, all I could say is that this has particularly been extremely successful. Yeah. This has worked. I'm not saying that it can't be better. There aren't things that, and the other thing that we, when we teach outbound marketing, you're gonna upset someone like it's going to happen like you're like it doesn't matter if you're cold calling or you're sending messages like someone's not going to what you send out and but the idea is enough people will that that it makes a difference and that's completely fair i've never ever sent a message out that i didn't get some negative feedback from at some point sure. it'll always happen at some point and then i'll just show you one more so this was we help a lot of logistics companies particularly freight forwarders so are you looking to take on new ocean freight customers to ship between 50 and 500 containers per year we know that these are people that's their target market like freight forwarders want companies that are shipping this volume that's like perfect for them it's like these mid-tier freight forwarders and we know that because we work with them so we ask them and once they read that message they know we understand them. So that's Great the idea. question. I think that's yeah. much better than just how you're looking for more customers. Sure. Yeah. That's yes. a really uh, so good question. Yeah. I'm with you. And this one was one of the best campaigns we ever ran. It was great. And we still use it to today. And then the rest fits the model that we were talking about. So in, in fairness to you, Matthew, if you can get this, if you can get it to where that's your initial question, where it's really, it tends to work really well. And anyway, that's the, I always like to just be real with what actually worked and with, and in fairness, We've tried a lot of things that have not worked. And that's part of why we teach what we teach is because it's, we've just, we've messed stuff up for 10 years. And so that's why we try and just help people avoid those pitfalls. So.
I have a question about newsletters. Can't you just build a newsletter? Isn't that like the thing to do now? I, I think that's a great, it's a great acquisition channel. I, I think I worked with a client for years that that was their main acquisition channel and their newsletter was great. They just curated news articles in the industry and just sent it out as a value. I think that's, I think that's awesome. I think it, all I think these that, techniques, like everything that you're saying, put in the context of a newsletter, I think sure. I think there's 80% overlap with what could work, right? And then you don't you have to worry less about your like your click through and open rate because they're bought in, they subscribed, like they clicked subscribe. So then you can you could upsell, you know, using targeted channels through a newsletter tool. And the reason I'm asking is I'm about to select a newsletter tool. So are you guys have you experimented with using these techniques with newsletters yet? And if yes, what have been some of the tools that you've seen that have been interesting? To you? So our, so I'll be honest, our bread and butter is cold outbound. That's like our, that's our main thing. Now, look, when you have opt-in, you have, your options are significantly higher. So if you have a, most of the people that we work with don't have an opt-in list. They're starting from scratch and they need a way to reach people cold because they just don't have the, they don't have the content. They don't have the lead gen engine. They don't have the funnel, any of that stuff to generate a list to be able to do that stuff. The, in terms of nurture and newsletter-based tools, I'm a big fan of Active Campaign just because I think it's easy and it's simple and it does a good job, but there's plenty of good ones out there. And the one thing that I will say that I've seen work really well in newsletter-based marketing is target actions from newsletters. So if you have, I was working with a freight forwarder client where we helped them with their newsletter for a while. And what they did was they targeted clicks on certain links within their newsletters as like high buying signals. So the way that they structured their newsletter was to give out certain information and to basically, they structured it where it was high value up front, and then the calls to action below were structured so that they could basically have a better indication of how close people were to the bottom of the funnel based upon what they, I really liked that approach. And like you said, some of the concepts that I talked about would fit into that. Right. Could so. you, I wonder for like, if you're at the very end of a pitch, even if it's a super short pitch, it might be worth the real estate to say, not right for you right now, to subscribe to our newsletter, right? So like sure. a no becomes a subscription to a newsletter. So at least they're stuck in the funnel and it shows some interest as opposed to a flat no, which will just ignore or delete or mark a spam. I completely agree. I've never tried to leverage, we've never tried putting, we've never tried to increase newsletter subscribers from cold outbound messages before. So I don't have any data on that particular, but that's, I think it's an interesting idea. My, the only thing I'll say is my understanding of newsletter signups is you need to deliver a significant amount of value in order to like obtain that buy-in. And a cold email that that's really hard to deliver unless you're oh, giving yeah. away a certain piece of content. Like it's, it is yeah. a, it is tough. Separate, like if you have your newsletter strategy figured out, then sure. you could incorporate that ask, yeah. not ready to buy this service or product yet, subscribe to our newsletter to learn all about our stuff, monthly stuff, month, our monthly newsletter or something. So people don't get inundated every week or every day with newsletters. Cause as soon as I get a newsletter more than once a day or more than once a week, I've unsubscribed even if it's super yeah. valuable. So yeah, have your newsletter game figured out, then maybe find a way to incorporate that into there to keep them in a funnel of some. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And then my last thing is, <laughs> because you guys brought up ChatGPT, is I think, you, I, think they're, I think you're not going far enough with how you're using it. So like ChatGPT does an incredible job. I haven't tested it with Bard yet, but it does an incredible job of taking on a persona. So like I once had it be a pineapple. I think I might've mentioned this in an earlier inside.com thing. And it was the funniest thing yeah. I'd ever read in my life. Yeah. So you can really get it to take on, like you're talking about like your, I don't think you said it, but like customer avatar, right? Input so much data that it takes on your customer avatar, like the type of market that you're trying to find. And then say, write yourself a cold email. 
right? Like really feed it with all like the data and personality traits of a potential client. And now write yourself a letter or write yourself something that you would say yes to now in light of all this data that I, and it's really quality and quality out. If your data that you're giving in is quality, you will get quality from things that I've seen. Now, I'm a solopreneur, so like I don't have copious amounts of data to show you with that, right? It's all anecdotal with me, but that has been super valuable for me in terms of client outreach. I think that's fair. The work that I've done in ChatGPT was far more cursory than trying to get it to take on a certain persona. You're giving me homework, man. I don't know what, like, Sorry. I feel like, you, but this is, in fairness, this is the world we live in now. If these are the tools and the technology that are available to us, if they work, and if there's a way to make them work, we should figure that out, right? Like, why not? So I think that's fair. That's the era we live in. AI experimentation land that we're all doing. Any other questions? from? Oh, Jeremy, did you have more to share? No, that, I wanted to make sure that people saw some specific examples of things that I've seen work really well and are delivering yeah. results like today. I literally copied and pasted that from one of the campaigns I'm running like right now that's working really well. So that was the main Great. thing that I want to deliver. Love a cheat sheet. Thank you. What other questions do you guys have before we wrap up? Maybe. Which would mean the instructor did his job. Cool. Yeah, I think everyone is feeling like me, super grateful for all that information. Messaging is so important. And some of the things that really stood out to me was like letting the customer know that you understand them and how they feel. And that's why your messaging is important. You have to speak their language. Do you ever have clients that like consult experts in the industry for the sake of messaging? Because like your clients are consulting you as a marketing agency but how do you get to the point where you really can speak the language of different industries like shipping? So usually what we tell people, let's say most of the companies that we work with have some client base. So they have some relationships, they've had some conversations, so they have an idea of who their customers are. But a lot of times I'll tell people, like if you're going to go after a new industry or a new audience, go to their websites, read how they talk about themselves, go to the most popular trade publications within the industry, read their top articles, look... like consume content that they consume. Be, put yourself in their seat and you'll see commonalities. They talk about their customers in this particular way. They talk about their sales in this particular way. They run their yearly fiscal cycles in this particular way or they do. But you need to start familiarizing yourself with the world that they live in. So I, I was just helping a client the other day. They do small parcel shipping and they're looking to break into the cosmetics market. Like you got to go, go, you have to go to their websites, find out how these people are talking about the SKUs that they're running and the order processing and things like that, like the challenges to their business that you help solve. Like you, you got to do some research in order to really maximize the value of your campaign. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Jeremy, our time here is coming to a close. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and follow you on socials and on the internet? Yes, I will say this fully transparent. We're outbound marketing folks, so we are tough to find if you want to come try oh. and find. No, we're, no, we're <laughs> company is RoyceBrookMedia.com. Also, if you type in theoutboundacademy.com, you'll find us. So that's the easiest place to find us. I uh, got to say, there, there's a, you could use the, the, the phrase there. You don't find us. We find you. <laughs> yeah. Old email. <laughs> It's, it's funny, Matthew, we recently hired another a, a team member and she was like, she almost didn't take the interview. And we were like, why? And she's like, I can't find you guys anywhere on socials. Are you a real company? And we're like, because that's not what we do. That's not our bread and butter. It was an interesting thought experiment. I'm glad this is recorded, man. I got stuff to think about. <laughs> I know, lots of notes to follow up on. Okay, so you yes. said Royce Brook Media. And then what about your socials? I am nowhere to be found on social media. Okay, this is where you yeah. get Jeremy in wonderful virtual events like this. 
That's Thanks, it. Josh. Thank you all for being here. I really appreciate you guys. This is a nice little team we got going here. And Jeremy, thank you for your time. And maybe we'll see everyone on inside.com slash marketing. We'll continue conversations there.